morning, everyone. Hey, it's so good to see you this morning, and I want to welcome those, if you're back for your second time after Easter, we're so glad that you joined us, and welcome to those online as well. Um, we wanted to, we're just checking in the room, how many of you received an email, uh, letter, or um, some notification from Jared and I this week? Okay, so, uh, or a phone call from me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because a few of you, that was the way, hey, um, well, if if you didn't, uh, then we want to let you know that Jared and I announced our um, retirement from vocational ministry um, effective uh, June 26th is our last Sunday, um, and then we're off uh, to a series of new adventures, um, but off doesn't mean we're moving or anything. Hillsboro is our home, and Evergreen is our community of faith. Uh, you won't see us around here for a few months. Uh, that'll be adventure because of adventures. But, you know, we have our kids here, and, you know, they can't always be in here because they're down directing Vortex and directing Surge. That's first through sixth grade covered between the two of them, our daughter-in-law and our son. And our grandkids are here, and we love it that our grandkids see us every week at, at church, gathering um, with people and in the community. So um, that's something that we look forward to um, with you. Uh, but there will be a, a period of time. It's kind of pastoral protocol, too, just being real that we do that. So letting you know that. But we wanted to talk today for a few minutes about that transition. And I want to tell you... Um, I want to tell it in pictures a little bit. Um, we just finished celebrating our 44th wedding anniversary. Yeah, this week. It was really special for us. And we did it, no surprise to any of you, by taking an adventure together to the Olympic National Park in an adventure van that we rented because we're thinking of having an adventure van in our future. It's a step up from backpacking. This is what you do in marriage. You compromise, okay? We have moved from the tent backpacking. Well, I haven't, but he has. From the tent and backpacking into an adventure van. Um, and so this, uh, for this adventure, we were reminded of our 37th anniversary where we had this idea, let's do 37 adventures in 37 hours here in the Portland metro area. And we did. I mean, I have the list. I can share it with you later. Um, 37 it, adventures. Yeah. It, was, it was busy. Every food, every activity we did, every place we ate or visited had to be new for us. And um, so that kind of launched us into this experience with adventure. You know the definition of adventure if you've been here at all. It's an unusual and exciting experience. It's usually something new. And sometimes it has an element of challenge or hazard to it uh, that adds to the whole experience. And so um, we decided to do another adventure for this anniversary, and we went to the Olympic National Park in our adventure van. And so, yes, this is the family slideshow, but not on steroids. Okay, it has a point. So let's take a look at the first picture, and this is us at Lake uh, Crescent, at Lake Crescent, actually, a beautiful lake that got us started, and we actually visited this lake. We recalled on our anniversary as we came down, I mean, on our honeymoon, as we came down the 101, and it's an incredible lake. Okay, the next picture is Anne at the adventure van, being crazy. Okay, I mention this because remember that I said that an adventure 
invigorates you. It inspires you. That's what our 37 Adventures in 37 Hours did. Yeah, you're not and selling that's it. what I this just, one did. Just some very dour looking people out here right now. But I did mention the challenge piece of adventure. And you wonder, what do you do when an adventure has a challenge to it? Okay, so the adventure van. Yes, I'm looking a little crazy. This is the beginning of it. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you about our adventure van adventure at the end. Okay, the next picture. Ann and Jared at Soul Duck Hot Springs. That's right, we were there with a whole bunch of other crazy people, but we positioned them out of the picture. Okay, and then the next one, it's very sulfur smelling, just a forewarning if you don't like that. Number four is Soul Duck Falls. Uh, this one, no, is on the trail to the falls. Here's a little picture of the falls. It's really amazing because three channels converge and drop into this chute. And you can stop that one. We could listen to that all day. Um, and then um, this last one is um, on Hurricane Ridge, which is the, up above at the top of the Olympics. Um, and you're looking out at all the mountains. But, yep, that's me up on top of our adventure van. So I mentioned that we were also getting familiar with that. And um, the challenging piece Okay, the challenging piece was we gave the van an A-plus, ride, all the features, everything, except one, the bed. It got a D-minus because the second night, which was our anniversary, we had to sleep in different beds because Jared doesn't really fit in that, the bed as it was configured there. So the first night was a little bit tricky. <laughs> so we split, and he got another single bed that you can make out in the middle of that van. Um, oh, I said make, make out, out, didn't yeah. I? <laughs> That is the problem with the bed. <laughs> you can't make out well. <laughs> so <I'll laughs> you knew you were going to get this. Now my husband's like, come on, Ann. <laughs> so why do I say this? Well, in the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, you're going to see the word new a lot. And people love to quote this when there's pastoral transitions. Take a look at Isaiah 43. That one's been used many a time. Um, to quote how God's going to do something new in this transition. And there's a lot of New Testament scriptures about God doing new things in us. And so um, the word in both the Hebrew and the Greek means the same thing, new as in fresh, new as in an unusual, exciting experience that may have some challenges in it as well. But, you know, we didn't give up on our van and I want to encourage you, challenges, I, that's why I'm standing on top of that puppy at the end of our adventure. Well, we found out they have a new mattress that reconfigures everything, and it's also made of memory foam, which won't be as hard. So there you have it. We have a way to fix that, the thing that was challenging. We have a way to move forward. And, and that is a part of new, friends. That is a part of adventuring. And um, you're ready for an adventure. And so while we love to quote new, we also want to encourage you to don't let the challenges outweigh the, the newness, the invigoration that God's going to bring. So in December, Christmas time, um, we had um, two musicians, Merrill and Tim Smith, play in the lobby. How many of you remember that? Cello and violin. Yeah, just beautiful. Um, but afterwards, Merrill came to me and said, I have a word from the Lord for you. Um, do you mind if I share it? I said, no, I'd love that. And she shared this word, and it's really a word for evergreen. And we knew, at that time, we knew what God was doing already about moving us on and bringing in Elsie and Carlos. And this is the word that he gave us 
us. That the Lord is saying, I'm not tearing something down or, or tearing something apart. I'm building something. And it's going to be beautiful, diverse, and everything you dreamed of. This place will be full of people, full of life, like you've n never seen it before. And then just this reiteration, I am building something, not tearing something apart. Um, anybody who was here on Christmas knows that that was particularly meaningful. But I, a few um, weeks ago, Jared, on a message on Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, talked about, um, do you have a script that will take you into the future God has for you? Or are you still playing old scripts? And so this is the script out of that word from the Lord that I want to invite you to in this future. It's Jesus, you are building something beautiful, and we get to be a part of it. Would you say that with me? Jesus, you are building something beautiful, and we get to be a part of it. You, friends, have been chosen for adventure. So it was... Uh... Over 13 years ago, that uh, Ann and I were invited to uh, consider coming to Evergreen to serve as pastors, and uh, we prayed about that. And uh, you've discovered that when you pray about things, that you lose control, and uh, and so we got directed here, which was a wonderful thing. Uh, we discovered that this church uh, had had 30 previous uh, lead pastors, so we were chapter 31. Uh, this church has been around for a while, but the average uh, tenure of the 30 previous pastors. The average was just over two and a half years. And in fact, when we were invited to come, uh, because of our advanced age at the time, seriously, <laughs> we were asked to come for not more than four years. It was like, come, please, please come, but be sure you leave before four years. And so we would have already beaten the average by a bunch, right? <clears throat> well, the cool thing that happened for us, I don't know about you, I mean, you're the jury. Uh, don't tell us what you think about this. But the cool thing that happened for us was that supervisor who sent us here, because Foursquare appoints pastors, he left. He got replaced. <laughs> and <laughs> the new guy didn't know that we were supposed to be gone. And so we just quietly cruised through that. But, and then he got replaced. And the new guy finally got wise to this whole thing, so we have to go. No, 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 no. No, we've not been asked to leave. But uh, at 13 years, we will have been here longer than any of the other 30. Uh, again, you're the jury. You're not applauding. I interpret that as being, yeah. But Anna and I felt uh, every year, every year, because we came, we came intentionally uh, asked to come for a relatively short time. Every year has been probably the year we could go, year. And every year we ended up sending somebody else. Have any of you noticed that? Every year somebody else gets sent. Jill, we sent you. We sent you and you're back today. We, <laughs> every year we sent somebody else. It finally is our turn. And so you're going to be sending us. Uh, we sensed uh, late last year uh, that this would be about the time that we should move on. Uh, we reported that early this year to our church council, to our uh, district supervisor. Um, they have all been involved in the process. And uh, the announcement that you received was not only the announcement that we're going, which would have come at this time regardless. Uh, we, we, we felt we should announce when we're going, the end of June. We hoped that our successors would also be selected so that they could be announced as a part of that package, and we're thrilled that that's the case. And at the end of our time together today, we're going to invite uh, Ilse and Carlos to come and join us here. We're going to have an opportunity to pray with them. Thank you, Anne. The adventures, let the adventures begin. 
So I get to talk for a few minutes today. Really, I know you don't trust preachers. When they say a few minutes, they're already guilty about how long they're going to go. Not me. I'm not normal. I do want to talk for a few minutes today because I get to launch a new series, which kind of is uh, kind of ironic, isn't it? The series is called Better Together. <laughs> Better Together. We're leaving. Better Together. Yeah. But I, I do think that this is really a timely series of talks, and I want to make some sense out of that today. I think the timing is perfect. Can we just talk about our collective story for a minute? Like the last 28 to 30 months, this is what we've shared together. Whether or not you are a guest to Evergreen, whether or not you're online and you've never been here at a public service uh, face-to-face, regardless of whether you've been here for 40 years, we have all shared a common experience. And the first thing was, a few months ago, did you notice that we all got, we all got disconnected. You noticed that, didn't you? None of us asked for a pandemic. None of us asked to be kicked out of our schools or have to work from home or to not be able to church together or to not connect with our family or in the middle of our grief, losing a loved one that we couldn't have a public celebration of their passing or You talk about whatever your disconnection. None of us prayed for that. I did not pray, God, please send a a global sickness that I've never heard of so that I can be in bed for two weeks. None of us prayed for being disconnected, but it was all our experience, wasn't it? All of us radically, suddenly, without choice, being disconnected, which has put us into this ambiguous season of being unconnected. In fact, we're trying still to figure out how to become reconnected. Uh, those of you that work for uh, Nike or Intel, I, I don't know how many, how many uh, times that you've heard that there was a projected date for everybody to be back in the offices. Uh, there's still some dates out there, right? I've heard that most recently maybe it's a June date or something, and we're all going, who knows? You got disconnected from working in person, and we're trying to figure out how to reconnect. Disconnected. Some of our disconnections are still pretty awkward and uncomfortable, aren't they? In fact, it was just a few weeks ago here that masks went away, and most of us were very happy that we got to reconnect with smiles. We are still unconnected. Here's the amazing thing that happened. What we're discovering is that many of us got disconnected, not by our choice. We are unconnected but some of us are not sure that we want to reconnect. Companies are finding it very difficult to give the edict, you will all be back in the office by X, because I may have discovered that my two-hour commute wasn't as much fun as I thought it was two years ago, and that being home in my pajamas is a much better way to do life. Some of us are online, and we've discovered that it is a more convenient way for us to contribute to church. And by the way, if you're online today, I'm thrilled that you're there. And today is not a talk, which is a challenge to get you off your couch and away from your sticky pancakes and here with your butts in a seat at Evergreen. This is not that challenge, unless you're doing it out of convenience and not of faith. Because many of us have gotten into some new habits of being unconnected, And we have decided that unconnected is a better state than being reconnected. And the challenge for all of us culturally and as evergreeners is how are we going to get reconnected? And one of the big questions is why would I bother to do that? 
I was unconnected without a choice. I can stay disconnected without a choice. I can stay unconnected without much choice. But it requires intentionality, purpose, conviction, energy, effort to reconnect. Now, thankfully, in this new season of reconnection, we can be very thoughtful about some of the stuff we got disconnected from. And some of that stuff wasn't helping us. And staying disconnected from stuff that wasn't helpful is good. But in that reevaluation, there's some things that we got disconnected from that we need to reconnect with in some new and helpful ways. Better Together is a a series of talks that helps us think about what it means for us to get reconnected for those ways that we are better for being together. I don't know if you've ever gotten disconnected from your phone and weren't able to get it plugged in. Some of you misbehaved in your acting out about what it looked like for your bar to go to red and then to go to nothing. This week, I got disconnected and away from my phone. Uh, The hot springs that Ann showed the picture of, uh, I wanted to take a picture of us, but I didn't want to go back into the nasty locker rooms to leave my phone in the locker. And so I had the bright idea that I would take the two towels that we had, I would wrap my phone up in the towels, and I would put them over in a place, and I would sit in the, uh, the hot springs so that I could constantly watch the towels. And you know what happened, don't you? I looked over, and the towels were gone. I was disconnected from my phone. Do you know that nothing in the world was more important than that? My wife of 44 years was not more important than this phone. No. I didn't think about my children, my grandchildren, my mother-in-law. I didn't think about you. You were not that important in that moment in my life. Getting reconnected to my phone was the most important thing in my life. I jumped out of that hot tub, and I ran for a lifeguard, and I said, I lost my phone. It was right over there. And I'm acting out like a five-year-old throwing a tantrum. I am just this emotional mess because I got disconnected from my phone. And he looked at me, and he said, oh, it's your phone. It's your phone. Went in and said, yeah, I found your phone. I threw your thing in the, you know, dirty towel thing, and I found your phone, and here's your phone. And I said, oh, thank you. Disconnected. I want to tell you that many of the things that are essential for us to be connected to carry none of that emotion. None of that. They are priorities that are important but not urgent. They are essentials that don't feel critical. They are decisions to engage that are often costly and inconvenient. And having lived unconnected for a while feels very comfortable in some patterns that probably should be revisited. So I want to talk with you today about the better together part. And I want to mention to you, first of all, that the Bible assumes community. In fact, if you think about it, the creation story is a community story. God, among itself, said, let's make humans in our image, and so made the first human, male and female. It is a community story. There's not an individual in the story. Secondly, God's story of relationship with Israel is a community story. Jesus' story with the disciples is a community story. The apostle Paul, who launched churches with apostolic teams, is a community story. Most of the New Testament is a series of letters that's written to churches. 
It's a community story. And the revelation which tells us about things in the future is a community story. There's not an individual story. It is always how the individual relates to God in community. It is a community story. But as a proudly independent Oregonian who has even bothered to list my political registration as not affiliated, as a good member of Western culture that is individualistic first, I tend to naturally think about myself first, often middle, and frequently at the end. And the community story has to start with we before it works itself back to me. We are better together. Now, some of you noticed that generally before the first of the calendar year, I give you my word or phrase for the year. Have you noticed that if you've been around Evergreen? Often it's associated with, with a scripture. And it's just my sense, often toward the end of a year, of a, of, a, of a verse or a phrase that's going to give me some intentionality and priority and focus for the next year. I didn't give that to you for 2022 because I wanted this to be the great reveal. Are you ready for Jared's phrase for 2022? This will make so much sense about so much stuff. Are you ready? Here it is. Be sticky. Profound, isn't it? Even those of you that haven't been taking notes are taking notes right now. Be sticky. Actually, the word was faithful, as we had this sense that probably we were going to be finishing our season of leadership here at Evergreen. And the word for me was to be faithful, but faithful I apologize to you, but it sounded kind of religious and old and worn and musty. But be sticky sounded kind of invigorated and powerful and gritty. Be sticky. No surprise for you that came out of a passage of Scripture. I felt drawn toward Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And this is the text for the day. Here we go. I'm going to read it to you. Listen up. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Commentary, that sounds very Western, doesn't it? Do nothing out of selfish ambition, what's in it for me, vain conceit, how do I look? Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of others. So I learned this wisdom. When making sticky choices, Jared, in 2022, there is a don't, and there is a do. Don't try to advantage yourself and look good. Do initiate activity that advantages others. Don't get what you can get and look good. Do try to advance others. Hmm. Now, I don't know how well I've done. Uh, I've heard uh, I may have been successful on the first one, you know, uh, did you know that pastors sometimes get comments back that are not entirely positive? Yeah, it's entirely. I've heard that I've done a fairly good job this year of doing some things that didn't make me look good. In fact, I heard back some of the reflections about that. Yeah, It's a point of view, isn't it? And isn't it true that if we started with the us and worked back to the we, that we would probably get the same challenge that Paul gave to the church at Philippi? Of course, in chapter 2, it's this greater context, which is describing what Jesus did for us. And this is the application. It's exactly what he did for us. When he came to earth, he decided that he was not going to come to earth primarily for his own advantage 
and he wasn't going to come to look good, which is why to the end, even, he didn't defend himself, but that he was going to advance us into eternal life. Well, I want to suggest to you that that probably was not only a word of the Lord for Jared for 2022, but you're probably drawn into this story as well. You had a hunch about that, didn't you? And in fact, I think in this transition, the transition from Evergreen's chapter 31 to chapter 32, in the middle of all of the other life decisions we're making about how we're going to reconnect and how we're going to make sense of life and how we're going to do life and what our priorities are, in the middle of all that, now Evergreen has announced that there's a transition in the middle of already a bunch of transitions. So how do we make sense of that? The series that I'm introducing today is We're Better Together. And my brief challenge today is to think about how we do that to one another. In fact, this story is our story. Some credible recent research described it this way. Here's the research conclusion. I'm going to read it. It says, during the past few months, fewer than half of regular churchgoers in the U.S. made it back to an in-person service, according to the Pew Research Center. Many have gotten used to the convenience of online worship or have checked out of church altogether. Now, the immediate challenge is to get people to see church as, here it is, a community requiring engagement rather than as content to consume on their own. The sense of deep-rooted connectedness that most Americans have to a local church is becoming more and more transactional and less and less frequent. Again, for those of you that are online, this is not an appeal for you to be face-to-face. That's not the point. It is an appeal for all of us to make the faith-filled decisions about how in this present season am I going to reconnect in ways that are community and life-giving with a point of view, what is not most convenient for me, but what is of most service to the community? And how can I advance others by my presence there? You know, we do three services here generally. Uh, Last Sunday, Easter, we only did two. You're aware of that. And I'll tell you, the people that I was the most proud of last week were the 8 o'clock classic service folks that came to this service or the next service. In fact, I watched one of those men come. Uh, He and his wife used to come, and they had an extended family uh, of uh, older adults, uh, all with different kinds of, of challenges that lived in their adult care home. And they would all come and they would all sit in the back row here. And that was because of some of the special needs that some of their extended family would need. I just loved it. That whole family I just loved. And, and then as they transitioned in life, the couple, they transitioned to the eight o'clock service where Kathy led worship and Ken and Kathy were there. Last year, Kathy passed away. Ken had to wait months to have a celebration of life for her. And the 8 o'clock crowd has been a community of love and support and extended brothers and sisters to Ken during his time of grief. And I saw last Sunday Ken come in at the, what was now the first service, the 915 service, to participate in Easter. And I don't know how many years it's been since he's been here at a service in this room. And he came in, and I, I saw him look. And I was sure that he was just filled with all kinds of memories, all kinds of memory about his seasons of life over the last few years. 
And I also saw that look of he didn't know where to go. He didn't know where to go in this room. Because the last time he was in this room, he was with his wife. And he was with the extended family of adults, and they were all in the back room. That's where Ken used to fit in this room. Ken didn't have a place to fit in this room. He was trying to reconnect on Easter, and he was here, not at his own preference. He would have preferred an 8 o'clock classic service. He was here for you. He was here to be engaged with us. He chose to re-engage, but I could just sense all of the effort and thoughts and decisions he was having to make. How do I re-engage with Evergreen, my extended family, in this room, in this community, in this fresh way, at this moment in my life? And I said to Ken, would you please come sit with Ann and me on the front row? And he came up. It's actually 11 o'clock. Ann's mom, Bonnie, was here. We sat on the front row together. I gave him a place to reconnect. Now, Ken's known Jesus all across his life. He's a wonderful, committed, mature believer. That's not the point. He's not insecure. That's not the point. The point is all of us are having to figure out how we make sense of life in reconnecting. I saw, I saw some friends here at Easter I haven't seen for two years. I know they're still around. Some of you are online today. I know you're connected. It's not the point. It wasn't that you left Evergreen. I know that you just haven't been here for two years. And when I saw my friends come back and physically were in the room for the first time in two years, I thought to myself, you're going to have a shocking and an uncomfortable experience today. As wonderful as Easter will be and was and is, as fun as we had celebrating over 20 people being baptized in water, as great as it was, it's awkward to reconnect because the sure experience is at least I'm coming back to my community of faith and I have never met over half of these people that are here. In two years, we've had significant turnover. Of course, that's what happens. About half of our congregation that's in, purpose, in person has come in the last two years. So if I return back after two years, my experience will be I don't know most of these people. Listen, reconnecting is not a convenient thing. It is a brand new set of decisions. It requires brand new energy. It is going to take extra effort. It's going to have some awkwardness. It's going to be inconvenience, but it's going to have fresh faith for a new season. And new seasons require fresh faith. And chapter 31 coming to an end and chapter 32 beginning at Evergreen is a brand new season that has fresh faith for all of us who are involved. For those of you that have been longtime evergreeners, it requires fresh faith. For those of you that are guests with us today or you've recently come, it requires fresh faith. And that is not a negative challenge. That is a gift as together we launch into a new season together. I promised that I'd read some verses at the end. That's where we are. These one another's. In English, the phrase one another's, two words, in Greek, it's just one word, one another. That word is used 100 times in the New Testament. And if you look at the 100 one-others, they kind of neatly unfold in three basic buckets. The first bucket is unity. Let me read. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble to one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Don't bite, devour, and consume one another. Don't boastfully challenge and envy one another. Gently 
patiently, get ready, tolerate one another. Don't you love the realness of Scripture? You don't have to like them, but be patient with your tolerance. Yeah. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another. Don't complain against one another. In the eight months, eight weeks, eight months, eight months left of this calendar year, let me just set it up in that arbitrary time frame. Let me give you some challenges. Here it is. Evergreen, can we do that for the next eight months? Can we commit to one another's of unity? The second bucket of roughly a third is about love. Through love, serve one another. Tolerate one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. And love one another, it's 11 times. Love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. Love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. Now I'm going to ask you to say the 11th time with me. Love one another. We get the point. We get the point. Here's the challenge. Evergreen? Can we do that? Will we do that the next eight months? Will we one another in love? Unity, love, and the third general bucket has to do with humility. Give preference to one another in honor. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. By the way, don't you dare touch my feet. This was, a, this was a contextual custom, you understand. I grew up in a church where people washed each other's feet. Just flat out weird for me. May work for you. I don't diss it if it works for you. Uh, give me a fist bump. Serve me. Do the menial task. Mow my lawn. There we go. Yeah. Be of the same mind. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. And I'm going to finish with my word for 2022, from which I got be sticky, here it is. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Evergreen, will we do that? Can we do that the next eight months? To commit to one another, humility? I encourage you today. Make a sticky decision. A sticky decision. I'm going to want another. In unity, in love, in humility, I'm going to go through a transition of uncertainty. It's uncertain, isn't it? You have no idea how Jared and Ann are going to act out in the next couple of months, between now and the end of June, because we don't know how we're going to act out. I may get up here and just you know, cry all over myself and blow snot your direction some week. I, I have no idea what that separation will look like for me. Uh, we have no idea how Ilsean and Carlos are going to respond in this transition. Uh, they don't know. They've never been here before. You've never been here before. If you've been through other evergreen transitions, and some of you have been here for years, you've never been through this one before. All of transition is uncertainty. Here's the magic. You can reach out into that sea of uncertainty and you can create an island of certainty. You can anchor yourself to commitments and decisions that you will make. 
And I encourage you with a challenge to make those commitments to unity, to love, and to unity, humility. Anne, would you join me? And you notice that I'm putting this back here with the phone? And now I'm going to put the phone right here in my pocket? Because <laughs> I don't want to suffer any of that latent anxiety that I had in that hot spring the other day. Yeah. So um, as a part of a Foursquare Church, uh, the way lead pastors are selected is through appointment, kind of the Episcopal form of government where we have district supervisors that work with us and make a decision to make a recommendation to the board of directors. So, and when we decided that our season really uh, was to come to an end, the end of June, uh, we reported that to our church council, and we reported that to our district supervisor and, and associate supervisor. And the council at that point and our district supervisor began to work together. So Ann and I got to make uh, our enthusiastic, passionate, unequivocal recommendation about our successors. And and the council and our district supervisor took that council from us, and they worked together in two or three uh, meetings over time. And the result of that was thrilling to us. We had hoped that we would be able to make our announcement of our retirement at the same time as the announcement of our successors. We didn't know that would be the case, but we knew that we would be making the announcement the week following Easter regardless. We're just thrilled to be able to have made that announcement and to acknowledge today that not only is it our announcement of our ending chapter 31, but who is coming to give leadership to chapter 32. And I'm going to invite you to welcome the parents of Charlie Joy, Ilsean and Carlos. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, just want to say thank you, Jared and Anne, for um, believing in us um, and hearing Jesus long before we did. <laughs> um, we're very grateful for that. And thank you, uh, Evergreen, for trusting Jesus in this adventure with us. Um, we are truly honored. Um, and I think people keep asking me, how do you feel? And I'm like, in one word, awe. Like, I just can't describe really, but I'm just in awe of a God um, who is way better at planning and imagining than us. Yeah, our hearts are, are so full of gratitude and excitement. Uh, so excited. Uh, just the fact that we get to continue to team with an amazing Evergreen staff. Uh, that is just gives us so much peace moving forward. Uh, and there's going to be a, a lot of uh, excitement and adventure ahead. But really, our heart is to uh, just be a, a part of a community that for the next two months celebrates Jared and Ann. Because they have been uh, not only amazing leaders in 13 years, but specifically uh, these last two years, the way they have led and really just have set um, the Evergreens future up for success. And so um, our heart is in honoring and celebrating them. And we invite you, which we know you're already thinking about that, to do that as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Thanks, yeah. 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 I invite all of you to stand. We're going to pray. 
don't say goodbye to me, you're not getting rid of me that quick, and you're not getting rid of me at all. <laughs> um, but uh, there probably will be some, um, uh, you know, uh, some opportunities to have those chats. And we're not installing today, but we are acknowledging today. We are starting a beautiful transition today. Yeah, there's going to be some awkwardness. We're going to find our way forward. But this is the start, a start of chapter 32. And God's plans for Evergreen in chapter 32 are beautiful, beautiful plans. Let's acknowledge the start of that today. Lord, thank you for Ilse and for Carlos, for Charlie Joy, for bringing them. Lord, it's a miracle that they're here. It, it, out of 8 billion people in the world, you reached into Los Angeles and you brought them here. Thank you for your good and perfect gifts. Your grace for them, Lord, they've never been here before. As they step into a new calling that they've never had before, they're going to find new grace for that calling. Evergreen, as we step into new challenges, uh, transitions ahead where we've never been, Lord, there's grace for that. As Jared and Ann find a way to finish with grace, it will be your fresh grace for a season. We come to you today, Lord, in unity. We will go there together. We come in love. We will love each other even when it's awkward. We come in humility. We're here to serve in Jesus' name. Would you say it together with me? Amen. 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 Amen.